Dr. Novick? Hello, Alex. I'm glad to hear from you. You missed your check-in this morning. I was starting to worry. Wait. I... Why is your phone number on a sign for cabin rentals at Heather Lake? Heather Lake? Oh. Oh, you're there? Did, did your mother specifically request that you go there? Or... What the hell is going on? Alex, I can explain. Cassie brought me here because she says she ended her road trip at the lake. Is this tied to the study somehow? Do all of your patients come here? No. You're the only ones. You expect me to believe it's just coincidence that you're poking around in our brains? Right before Cassie leads me to some place you own? I need you to trust me. Trust you? I know Cassie talked to you behind my back. I heard her tell you I'm delusional. Your mother is dealing with a lot of issues right now. There are things in her past, events she has refused to process or accept. It is my firm belief that this study can help her, heal her. It's why I recruited her in the first place. You recruited her? I thought she came to you, as a volunteer. Like she does with all her studies. No, I sent her a personal invitation. I thought you knew. I apologize. Look, I don't own the cabins. I came here to hang my number over the original a couple of days ago, just in case. Listen, you need to leave there. It is very important. Why? What do you know? And how did you even know we would come here in the first place? Did Cassie tell you about the trip? If I could answer all of your questions safely right now, I would. Safely? This is such bullshit. Alex, I need you to see the experiment through. Tell me about the new memory you experienced. You said there was another one. Was it triggered at the Whirlwind Amusement Park? What did you see? No way! I'm not telling you anything more until you explain what's really going on here. Please, we haven't got a lot of time. There are other factors at play. You're in more danger than you realize, especially if you stay there. If I'm in so much danger, then tell me the truth! The truth is that your mother is very sick and I'm trying to help her. Ugh! Stop talking to me like I'm an ignorant child! You want a memory? Someone tried to kill my mother. I saw it. I watched someone nearly drown her right here in this lake. How? You... you shouldn't have seen that. Well, that's what I get for letting a quack poke around inside my head. Goodbye, Dr. Novick. Alex, wait. Realm Presents Memory Lane Season 1 Episode 6 Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out The Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Join co-hosts Will and Brian as they break down the lore of a rich multiverse 50 years in the making in a lighthearted and beginner-friendly way. They cover everything from character creation options to tips for dungeon masters. There's something for everyone, no matter how long you've been playing TTRPGs. Find The Dungeon Cast anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube. Heather Lake Reservoir, California. 
June 17. I'm so angry when I hang up the phone. I want to hurl the thing onto the ground. I wish I could rewind time. Back to before Cassie signed me up for this inane study, so I could opt out of it entirely. No, I want to go further back than that. I want to go back to before my last meeting with Colin. Undo everything since then. All the pain and guilt that led me to feel desperate enough to be duped into this experiment. That's what it is. An experiment. Not a study. Dr. Novik is messing with our minds. Toying with us like rats in a laboratory maze. He ensured we'd wind up right where he wants us in the end. Suddenly, my gaze lands on the one occupied cabin. Smoke rises from the chimney stack, and a truck is parked in the drive. Belatedly, something Dr. Novik said echoes in my mind. I came here to hang my number over the original a couple of days ago. I came here. I inhale sharply. Is he still here? Is that him? Sitting in a cozy little cabin just a few hundred yards away from where I'm standing? I don't know what to do. Bang on the door until he answers and demand to know everything? Too late. It hits me how little we really know about this man. About his motives behind the study. Maybe the safest thing to do is run. Go back to our regular lives and never contact that asshole again. But fear nags at me too. Dr. Novik said we're in danger. Said we need to leave this place. Should I believe that? Or was he trying to manipulate me for some reason? I want to assume the latter. Except I can't shake the last memory I experienced. Feeling someone's hands grip Cassie's shoulders and push her underwater. The sensation of someone holding her down as she fought for air. Who did that to her? Did it have something to do with the flash I saw before that? Of the body on the table? I take a slow, sliding step backward. Maybe I made it all up. Maybe Novik planted it in my mind. Perhaps for the real purpose of this experiment, whatever sinister reason that might be. Either way, whether she remembers her past or not, something isn't right about this. Someone wants to hurt us. I don't know if that's Dr. Novik himself, or whoever owns this property. Or maybe, if the memory I saw was real, it could be whoever tried to drown Cassie long ago. A woman whose voice sounded so tantalizingly familiar. Regardless of who it is, we need to get out of here. Now. Cassie is still napping when I approach her. We're leaving! My heart hasn't stopped pounding from the phone call. The panic. Cassie lazily opens one eye. But we just got here. I don't care. I point at the cabins. I just got done trying to rent one of these cabins. Uh, if they're full, we can park at the campsite up the road instead. Cassie makes as if to lie back down. But I catch her wrist, try to pull her up instead. I have no idea if they're full or not. Because the number on the sign? I shake her wrist. It went to your precious doctor's cell phone. Remy. What? Cassie tugs her arm free. But at least she's not going back to sleep now. She stares at the cabins, her eyes wide. That's impossible. You must have misdialed. Considering he admitted to me that he hung his own contact information over the real one, I doubt it. I don't mention what else he said. About how being here is dangerous. Is that why he'd hung his name there? To protect us? 
Did he somehow know Cassie might want to come here? My gaze drifts to the curl of smoke out of the chimney in the only occupied cabin. Is he there? Looking back at her, that last memory plays on repeat in my mind. Someone pushing Cassie underwater, holding her down. Does she even know what happened? Or did she repress the memory entirely? Or is the memory not even real? How would... Cassie shakes her head. That makes no sense. Remy and I never spoke about Heather Lake. In our pre-interview, he asked about the road trip, but only in general terms. Cassie! The longer we stay here, the more risk we face. Can we go? Please, this is seriously freaking me out. I must look truly spooked, because Cassie slowly clambers to her feet beside me. Her eyes fix on the lake, but all her attention seems focused inward. So maybe it isn't that you're seeing the wrong memories or that I'm not remembering them correctly. I lift an eyebrow. Are you actually admitting that your memories might not be right either? Cassie rubs her arms. I didn't know what to think. Then she sets her jaw. But now the answer is clear. It's Remy. He's done something to our minds. I'm about to reply when movement at the cabin catches my eye. There's a silhouette outlined against one of the upper floor windows. We're too far to make out more than a torso. A head. Is it a man or a woman? I can't tell. We need to leave now. Something's really wrong about this. And I'm scared. That, at least, finally gets my mother's attention. Her brow furrows and she steps closer, raises her hands to brush my shoulders. Okay, baby. Okay. She thinks for a moment, then wraps an arm around my shoulders and points me toward the trailhead, suddenly resolute. I remember a place nearby. Somewhere we'll be safe. We head back down the trail with impressive speed. I keep looking over my shoulder, sure that the figure in the cabin will emerge on the trail, following us. But there's no one. When we reach the road to the parking lot, I check for the pickup truck that was parked in front of the cabin. Maybe they used a road I don't know about and plan on cutting us off at the pass. But again, I see nothing out of the ordinary. The feeling is far too familiar. It's how I felt after what happened with Colin, too. I spent days acting like this. Jumping at shadows, ready to leap out of my skin at the smallest sign of anything out of the ordinary. All because I was afraid someone might find out what I'd done. What happened the last time I met Colin. Maybe what's happening now is karma, I think grimly. Let's go to the aquarium, Colin suggested. We'd met so many times by then, I'd lost count. I'd even invited him to my graduation, after complaining one night about how Cassie would probably forget anyway. I bought the tickets as usual. I also bought us hot dogs. We meandered around the indoor tanks, watching the sharks and fish swim in slow circles. Then, I asked the question that had been building in my mind. Why did you stop talking to Cassie? Colin flinched. He watched the sharks rather than me. But I could see his eyes in the glass. The haunted expression. It wasn't one of my finer moments. 
None of this is. She wouldn't want me talking to you now. I reached for him, but he jerked away from me. This is a mistake. Then he was moving, hurrying through the aquarium toward the exit. I followed. All I wanted were answers. I called for him to wait, but he didn't slow. We reached the exit, the long steps down to the parking lot, and I grabbed his arm, stopping him. I asked him what was wrong. I needed to know. And finally, he blurted it out. I'm not your father. I just need you to know that. My chest felt like it might crack open. I knew I was getting ahead of myself. Knew I was hoping for too much. But I hadn't realized how invested I'd gotten. How much I'd really started to believe he might be. Who is? You know, I'm sure you do. If you were friends with Cassie when you say you were, he would have been around. Who is it? Colin's lower lip quivered. I... I don't... It hit me then. A sinking sensation. All the stories he told. Cassie being wild. Cassie being impulsive. They were something anyone who met her for even a minute could guess. Were you really Cassie's friend? My heart sank. I found his number in her sketchbook, but that could mean anything. A one-night stand. A passing acquaintance. He lowered his eyes. Alex. I'm so sorry. Disgust flooded me. All the dinners. The outings. All the bills I'd picked up while working part-time as a student. Also, this grifter could lead me on. Anger chased hard on Disgust's heels, and I pushed him away. That's all I meant to do. Just get him away from me. It wasn't even hard enough to qualify as a shove. But I didn't think about the steps behind him, or how tightly I'd been holding his arm. I didn't think about the fact that I'd noticed him walk with a slight limp, a bit unsteady on his feet. He tripped backward, and I watched in slow motion as his arms pinned him. The crack when his head hit the concrete at the base of the stairs haunts me even now. Every time I drift off to sleep, every time I close my eyes, I hear it again. There were shouts. A staff member came running. I called 911. Did all the things you were supposed to do. When the ambulance did come, I admitted he and I had shared beers earlier. Maybe he'd had one too many, I suggested. He seemed a little unsteady as we were leaving. I tried to grab him, but it all happened so fast. Hey! I snapped to the present. We've reached the diner parking lot, but I'm so out of it that when a lean, attractive woman comes toward me, I can't at first place who she is. Then I remember. Peyton... I swallow hard. I'm not up for a meet and greet. But Peyton is undeterred. Hey! Her face lights up with excitement. I was just telling my mom about you. Cassie glances from me to Peyton and back again. Do you know her? We met on the trail. I'm Peyton. Peyton offers a hand to Cassie, but my mother isn't paying any attention. She's staring at the woman exiting the diner behind her. It's obvious she and Peyton are related. 
They look so much alike it's like seeing a time-lapse of a younger and an older model, except Peyton's skin is a few shades lighter. Unlike Peyton, dressed in hiking gear, her mother is wearing a tight pair of jeans and a silk blouse. Clearly, based on those espadrilles, she's not about to follow her daughter onto the trails. Her hair is cut into a sharply styled bob that accentuates her cheekbones. Oh, <laughs> this is my mother, Trina. Trina watches us carefully, not offering a hand to shake. You're the one who didn't recognize a king snake. Um, yeah, but, uh, we were just heading out. Come on, Cassie. We don't have time to make friends. Yet Cassie doesn't move when I tug on her arm. She's frozen, an unfamiliar dreamy expression on her face. Cassie, come on. She blinks dazedly. Right, we should go. It was nice to meet you both. Even after we've climbed into the bus, I insist on driving again, and I've started the engine. I can't shake the feeling that we're being watched. Sure enough, when I check the rear view to back out of our space, Trina and Peyton are still standing in the same spot, both of their gazes fixed on us. Peyton raises a hand to wave. She looks cute standing there. For a second, I feel a pang of regret. If I were living a normal life, I'd ask her to grab a drink together. Who knows? Maybe the flirty vibe I thought I felt wasn't all in my head. Maybe one drink might lead to more. But I'm not living a normal life. Not right now. I need to put her out of my mind. I hit the highway and stomp on the gas until we're speeding, the trees and highway a blur on either side. Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out The Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Find The Dungeon Cast anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube. Where are we going? Cassie remains silent, her hands fisted around the seatbelt. I wonder if she's thinking about Remy, too. Where are we going? You said you knew somewhere safe. Yes. Cassie straightens and stares at the road signs with renewed interest. <sighs> Judith's. I give her a blank look. Is that name supposed to mean something to me? It's not far. Take the next exit. I can direct you from there. I'll remember the crossroads when I see it. Who's Judith? I check the rearview mirror. A friend? Cassie doesn't answer. There's no sign of the truck we saw parked at the lake following us. Maybe Dr. Novik will let us go? Leave us alone, now that we've made it clear we don't want any part of his experiment. But would he really do that? He went to great lengths to get us into this study. Recruiting Cassie. Lying to us both about so many things. Not to mention, hanging his own phone number up over the real cabin owners is still some seriously shady behavior. Why do that? Unless he's hiding something. Unless he really was protecting us. In which case, why let Cassie and me go to the lake in the first place, if it was so dangerous? I think about Colin's face as he fell. The surprised little O oh his mouth made. The crack of his skull on the pavement. He was still breathing when the ambulance came. And as far as I can tell from calling the hospital, he's still alive. 
I have no idea in what condition, though. They refused to give me any details. What happens if he dies? What does that make me? Alex! I look up. From the way Cassie's staring, I suspect it's not the first time she's called my name. That's our exit. I jerk myself from my anxiety spiral just in time to take the off-ramp. Then I reach for my stim, thumb the worn-out buttons. The calm feels so sudden this time it's like ice-cold water pouring over a fire. At least it stops my hands shaking. Keeps me in the present. Eyes on the road. Why didn't you tell me Dr. Novik recruited you for the study? Cassie looks over at me with surprise. He told you? Yes. You should have. She shrugs, then takes a long hit from her vape. Didn't seem important. I side-eye her. Volunteering for an unusual medical study doesn't strike you as just slightly different than being headhunted for one? Cassie's exhale sounds shaky. I didn't think you'd agree to it if I told you he recruited me, all right? I thought you'd think it was some gimmicky sales thing and refuse. <sighs> I wish this was just some gimmick. If it helps, this isn't what I expected either. We rumble along increasingly smaller roads, turning from pavement to shoddier pavement to gravel beneath our tires. Every now and then, Cassie has me pause at an intersection, frowning while she dredges up her internal GPS. Finally, we reach a stretch of road that's just tightly packed dirt, and Cassie points at a house far ahead. There. That's it. The house we're driving toward is single-story but sprawling, with bleached stucco walls. The forest around it has been cleared away, and there's a big farm of rolling fields and orchards extending out from the western side. In the distance, I spot a few barns with solar panels on the rooftops. As we pull up out front, a small signpost near the entrance catches my eye. Casa da Amizaj, Center of Health and Wellness. I gasp. Amizaj? The word sends a spike of recognition through me. Cassie's memory. The one I saw at the amusement park. She told the man she was with, my father, that she was glad they'd all be together soon. Here. Cassie, what is this place? Why are we here? But Cassie doesn't respond. She takes in a big inhale, reaching for the doorknob and stepping from the bus before I even get it into park. Cassie. Mom. Answer my question. A million theories chase themselves through my brain. When the front door of the house opens, I startle at the sound. An older white woman stands in the doorway, her messy brown hair pulled up in a bun, wrapped in a cloth headband. She takes one look at us and gasps. Then she races from the porch for us, her long moo swirling around her legs. Not toward us, actually. Toward Cassie. Oh my goodness. My girl. My beautiful girl. The woman reaches Cassie just as my mother opens her arms, and they collide in a hug so tight it almost looks painful. Over her shoulder, I can just make out Cassie's face. Her eyes closed, a pained look on her face. I start to tremble. The older woman pulls away, holding Cassie at arm's length 
The ends of her curls that poke out from her headband have thick gray streaks, and her eyes wrinkle with crow's feet. She has a gorgeous smile, too, bright and warm. But Cassie doesn't look all that pleased. In fact, she looks kind of ashamed. And I still have no idea why we're here. Welcome home, darling. The woman's eyes are shining. It's been a long time, Mama. My gaze darts back and forth between them as that word sinks in. Mama? What the hell is going on? Judith leads us through the bustling hallways of the center. I'll spare you the full tour, Alex. And Cassie, you're already familiar with most of our amenities. I turn to Cassie, who looks around as if this is the first time she's seen it all. I have so many questions. Who is this woman? I've never so much as heard the name Judith before, and now my mother is calling her Mama? It's definitely not our real mother. Judith doesn't square with the dour, anti-jeans-for-ladies grandmother I met when I was little. But Cassie pretends not to notice my laser-focused staring. She follows after Judith, childlike and obedient. Our residence wing is this way. Judith points up one of the long hallways. I count at least ten doors jutting off it, maybe more clustered at the far end. That's where our family members stay. She fires another doting smile at Cassie, and I can't help myself. When you say family... Oh. Judith waves a hand. Here at Casa da Amazage, we consider all of our guests family. We're a, a wellness center of sorts, a place where people can go to escape from the bustle of modern life, especially those who may not have anywhere else to turn. As long as you're willing to contribute in any way you can, making meals, gardening, helping out with our tech, we don't mind how long anybody stays. She glances at Cassie. The kids started calling me Mama years ago, and it just kind of stuck. Isn't that right, Cassandra? She pats my mother's shoulder. Cassie shrugs. An almost smile hints on her face. Is it even genuine? That's right. She turns to look at me for the first time since we stepped inside the center. We came to Judith's because we'd heard so many good things about the place. But we were also running out of money. She took in all of us, actually. All of us? I stare from Cassie to Judith, confused. When was this? Cassie nods. After the road trip, we were at Heather Lake, and it's so close by. My mind is whirling. I think about the memory I saw at the amusement park. How excited Cassie and the man who might or might not be my father sounded when they mentioned coming here. How long were you here for? When did you leave? Oh, let's not rehash old heartaches just yet. Judith winks at me. As if I know anything about what the hell is going on. Alex, you look exhausted. I can have one of the girls set you up in Cassandra's old room. Why don't you take a quick nap? I swallow hard. I am exhausted. And a real bed, one that's not in the back of a vehicle, would be nice. But could I even sleep right now? I look around. Just then... I notice something that's been on the periphery of my attention ever since we stepped inside the house. 
It's subtle. A low hum. The kind of thing you don't notice until you hold your breath. Go quiet. What's that noise? Oh, that's our pride and joy. The generator. She points out a window near where we're standing. The L-shaped house cradles a beautiful pool out back. Dotted around it are palm trees, little reading nooks, and a few hanging chairs decorated in plush bohemian cushions. Behind that is a squat, ugly gray building, the one mar in the beautiful yard. The generator is situated directly between a pretty red windmill and a glass greenhouse. We're entirely self-sustainable. All our energy comes from either the wind turbine, our solar panel field, or our new geothermal pump, feeding into the generator. And all our food is grown right there. She points to the greenhouse. Very cool. Thank you. Judith flashes me another contagious smile. I designed the whole system myself, built it over the years with help from different family members. Cassie here helped build the chicken coops uh, back in the day. Really? I peer around her at my mother, finding it hard to imagine Cassie and chickens together. Cassie looks surprised too. You're still using that scrap heap? Huh, I had no idea what I was doing when I put that together. Trust me, we noticed. Judith pats her shoulder again. The two of them share a look, and not for the first time this trip, I realize how much I don't know about my mother. Why hadn't she told me any of this? Why does she keep blindsiding me every step of the way? What happened here? She obviously felt safe enough to lead us here, but there's a history between her and Judith that I'm missing. It's exhausting dealing with Cassie's past emotions on top of my own. I look around, wondering if this place will trigger new memories. Theoretically, if Cassie's trip ended here, then it's possible. But nothing comes. At least not yet. Maybe I will take you up on that nap. Suddenly, I need to get out of here. To be alone. My exhaustion turns to a low-key rage as I remember this is so absolutely typical of Cassie. To give you nothing and expect you to just go with the flow. Of course, honey. Judith takes my hand. I let her lead me up the hallway to a room with a green door. Strangely, it feels natural. I don't mind it. Maybe it's because she's being so kind and competent. I'm not used to that from parental figures. I turn to look at Cassie, who has her arms crossed as she stares into the distance. Later, I'll take her aside and get some real answers from her. Or at the very least, to talk about how we're going to handle Dr. Novick if he gets in touch with us again. Or worse, if he tries to follow us. This was Cassandra's room, back when she was with us. She gives me a kind look, and I think of us as conspirators, both dealing with Cassie's bullshit. You and your mom will be safe here. It feels like the exact right thing I needed to hear. She squeezes my hand before she leaves. I fall face first onto the bed, not even bothering to kick off my shoes. I don't want to sleep, but I need to think. Except the second my head touches the pillow, a memory swallows me whole. In my mind's eye, 
Cassie is lying on this same bed, in this same room. She's on her back, knees bunched up to her chest, and a journal propped on them. She has a Sharpie marker in one hand. The smell of it is sharp and heady. She's scrawling on the pages, pressing so hard the ink soaks through several pages at once. None of this is real. None of this is real. Cassie's hand writes. None of this is real. None of this is real. There's a rap on the door. Honey. And then Judith steps through. She's younger. No grays in her hair. It's time for yoga. Okay. Yoga, I think. Is this where Cassie learned? Is this why she's so good? But then, why does she hate practicing it now? Only after Judith leaves does Cassie roll off the bed and feel around underneath it. One of the floorboards comes loose under her fingertips, familiar and worn. I get the sense Cassie has done this a million times before. She drops the notebook into the hollow, repositions the boards above it so it's hidden from view. Then there's a sensation beneath her rib cage, and I can feel it too. What is that? I feel Cassie's hands slide around her stomach. Her distended stomach. Many months farther along than in the last memory I saw. It's me inside her. Kicking. It's like I'm already fighting to get out. You're listening to Memory Lane Season 1. Created and produced by Realm. Your portal to another world. Listen away. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine. Erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God. And we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Memory Lane is written by Sarah Shepard and Ellen Goodlett. Produced by Rhoda Bayessa and Haley Wagreich, and executive produced by Molly Barton. Performed by Emily Wu Zeller, Leanne Marie Dobbs, Chris Shula, Elliot Schiff, Cherie Wichard, Tiana Camacho, and Kaylin West. Audio produced and directed by Amanda Rose Smith. Sound design and editing by Kaylin West. Additional editing by Corey Barton. Theme music composed by Amanda Rose Smith, with digital orchestration by Andrew Rowan and Max Kuttner. Music supervision by Amy Parker. Cover design by Kendall Thomas.